there's nothing that is worthwhile that somebody will just say, you know, I just woke up and I was successful or I just coasted this and wow, look at me now. It's all uphill. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am out of my mind excited for today's episode because I'm sitting down with the legend, John Maxwell. Now, I know John needs absolutely no introduction, but in case you've been living under a rock, he is the legendary figure in leadership and self-development who has been at it for over 40 years and sold over 31 million books. Can you imagine selling over 31 million books. I mean, he is literally a one of a kind and we're gonna talk leadership, money mindset, business, and all things related to your success and your happiness. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation unfold because I'll be honest, of the couple of hundred episodes I've done, this is easily, easily one of the best ones ever. Now, John is one of the most legendary coaches in his time, still today. And speaking of coaching and speaking of getting guidance by the right individuals, that is why Lori and I have made ourselves available in our first ever entry-level mastermind. Here's basically what we've done. We designed everything that we wish existed when we were getting started as an entrepreneur. And I mean everything. In the exact way that we wish it was taught. We're talking a mix of in-person and online and a very special library that is built just for this five-month mastermind. We actually built an over $20,000 mastermind for just a fraction of that price. I'm being real. I took all the best parts of my elite mastermind, which by the way, that costs $30,000 to be a part of. So I took all the best parts of the elite mastermind crunched it down to a five-month term, added an entirely separate just for this mastermind library, added brand new features that the other one does not have because I know that all of you entrepreneurs who are between, let's say, close to fifty dollars to $250,000, you guys need more high-touch guidance. You need something more specific. You need different things than the elite mastermind members who are already making a million dollars or more need. And so we built it for you. Now, obviously, there's a catch for everything. Number one, you have to be willing to invest in yourself. Are you ready to invest in yourself? We made it as affordable as possible. We are running this thing way below our normal profit margins because we wanted anyone who desired this type of guidance from us to be able to have it. That's number one. Number two, are you willing to take action on what you learned from us? And number three, are you willing to really face what's been holding you back? See, here's the deal. Most of you have what I call an accidental business. And this is a good thing. This is a compliment. You started coaching or you started a product or you built an e-course, or you built a podcast, you got into network marketing, you did something really cool as kind of a side hustle. And before you knew it, you're making 25, 50, 75, or $100,000. But the problem is it's an accidental business because you don't quite full have a business yet. You just have a product that's selling. To have a business, you have to understand the fundamentals of building a business. Like what kind of incorporation should you do? What is your cash flow plan? 
Have you protected your intellectual property? What is your marketing plan? How are you going to explode? Matter of fact, why is everybody else exploding and you're not? It's all of those pieces that you're missing that we teach in a very hands-on five months. So listen, if you're between 50 and $250,000, and by the way, a lot of people message me, what if I'm at 30? What if I'm at 40? If you think you're ready for it, then you're ready for it. But if you're in the range of 50 to $250,000 and you want to be trained by us in a very small, intimate group, then this five-month mastermind called Fast Foundations is for you. I want you to go to fastfoundations.com immediately and go check it out. Fastfoundations.com for any of you that are between fifty dollars to $250,000 and want to be trained in all of the foundations and learn how to get the explosive growth that we have had and figured out. Fastfoundations.com. I cannot wait for you to be a part of our mastermind family. It's our favorite thing that we do. Now, speaking of favorites, this is hands down one of my all-time favorite episodes I have ever done. And obviously, that's because it's with John Maxwell, who I mentioned earlier, is one of the most legendary figures in leadership and self-development. I've looked up to John for so many years now. And my, my favorite thing about John is how relevant and up-to-date and full of impact he has been able to remain, even though he's been at this for more than 40 years. Years. You know, it's no surprise that he was named the most influential leadership expert in the entire world by multiple sources. So we talk about things like how John kept going in the very beginning years when he wanted to quit. As a matter of fact, I bet you didn't know this. It wasn't until his seventh book that he really started to gain some traction and felt like he was successful. So for all of you who are like, wait, when's it my turn? When's it going to hit? It took John seven books. I can't wait for you to hear that part of the story. He shares his secret formula to staying relevant and to creating hit books. So you can take this this formula and literally apply it to what you're doing. You're going to love how he sets his financial goals every year. And here's a hint. It's around giving. And there's no surprise there. But honestly, this is one of the best money mindset conversations I've ever had. I was a little bit surprised how much John loved to talk about money. It lit me up and I can't wait for you to hear that part. And his long-term financial goals are going to freaking blow your mind. It'll seriously surprise you and inspire you. We also talk about his new book, Leadership, which I've read it already, the advanced copy. It's so good. So listen, everything from inspiration to how to, to his secret quadrant of how he's managed to stay relevant and pump out such good content, you name it, it's in this episode. Get ready to learn from the legend, John Maxwell. Listen up, because this is one of the best episodes ever. Mr. John Maxwell, it is such an honor to have you on the show. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Chris. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. So my show typically starts in kind of a fun way. We start with rapid fire. It's a fun way for the audience to get to know you in a hurry, although I'm pretty sure my audience knows you pretty well already. And then we kind of circle back around and do a deep dive on anything that comes up. Are you game? I'm game. Let it rock. (laughs) Wonderful. We're going to start real easy. Where were you born? Garden City, Michigan. And where do you live now? I'm in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Ah, perfect. What is one of your all-time favorite quotes? Uh, make every day your masterpiece. Mm, so good. And one of your all-time favorite books? As a Man Thinketh. Oh, it's so good. Who is someone who's made a massive difference in your life? John Wooden. He was the coach at UCLA and was a mentor of mine for several years. He's Great. such a legend, Wise isn't he? Teacher. A couple more here real quick. Um, what is one thing you're grateful for today? 
health. I'm 71 and I physically am in good shape and doing very well. So I'm grateful for that. I love it. Couple more. What is a random act of generosity you have done recently? I uh, uh, tipped a, a, a single lady waitress uh, two days ago, a hundred bucks. Mm, I love that. I love that. And last but not least, what are you most excited about today? Oh, I'm always, <laughs> I'm excited about what's happening right now in my life. Uh, I, I, I've loved all my life and I, I've had some success, obviously. But what really excites me is now and, and where I'm going and what I'm doing right now. And uh, I always say that, shoot, if, if you're excited about what you did five years ago, you're not doing much today, that's for sure. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Well, I'm excited to learn from you today and, and to help all of our listeners learn as well. And I want to start by taking you back to July 4th, 1976. Something really special happened for you this day. Can you take us back there and explain? Well, I can, Chris. First of all, I think everybody needs to know I'm a person of faith. And uh, for 25 years, I was a pastor and uh, loved it. In fact, I thought I'd do this all my life, to be honest with you. And, and uh, it was the 200th birthday of America. And uh, I was, you know, what am I? I was 29. And, uh, you know, I had 5,000 people there at the 10th largest church in America. And I was speaking on the 200th anniversary of our country about America and about its need for greatness. And uh, again, I'm a person of faith. And in the middle of my teaching, I just definitely knew that God was talking to me and, and said, John, I'm going to give you a, uh, the rest of your life. You're just, you're going to train leaders. You're going to develop leaders. You're going to, leadership is your thing. But, you know, I was kind of amazed by it when, when I was done. Margaret and I were going out to dinner and, and I shared with her what happened. And, and she said, well, what are you going to do about that? I said, well, nothing. I said, you know, if that's truly a door that has been opened to me by God, uh, you know, he'll open the door for me. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't need to have a crowbar. I don't need to knock anything down. And uh, that week, Chris, I got two calls uh, from different uh, groups wanting me to come and talk to them about leadership. And I started, and it's never stopped. It just, it... This whole leadership thing, whether it was writing or speaking or building companies, it just it just never stopped. I, it's you know I'm always amazed. I you know I I didn't pick the subject. I feel God picked it for me. I I I wasn't don't think I was smart enough to do it. But anyway, I kind of just I just kind of done what what I felt I was supposed to do, and it's a calling. It's not a career for me. Today I look back and I just shake my head. And I'm just totally blown away by all the good things that have happened. And, and leadership is an inexhaustive subject. My gosh, everybody needs leaders. I've never gone to a company that said we have too many leaders. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's not like we're going to run out. There's going to be a scarcity there. So it's a subject I love, and, and I love talking to leaders and entrepreneurs and, and basically building in their life and helping them you know, go to a level that perhaps they maybe never even thought they'd get to. That's what I do every day add value to people and uh, add value to leaders who multiply value to others. That's what I do and I love it. Wow. Well, we all love that you do it for the past 40 plus years. Obviously you're a legend in doing it. I'm so curious though. I think up until this point, I remember reading that you didn't 
you, you would always dive into your ideas whenever you'd get some kind of download or some kind of new idea. You'd just go full speed ahead. But this one, like you said, you didn't dive into this idea. You didn't pry it open with a crowbar, like you said. What made this one so different this time? Are you, are you talking about the calling of the leadership? Yeah. Well, it's very simple, Chris. Um, I honestly knew that this was bigger than me and it was beyond me. And, and so it was kind of like, okay, if what I sense is true, then I don't need to, um, I, I don't need to strive for this. It, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. And uh, now, the moment that I got those two calls, I said yes, and and the ball started rolling. And now I'm very aggressive in this field. But but I wasn't in the beginning. I, I just really believed that if this was something God wanted me to do, that He would open up the doors, and He did. And I started walking through them. And now, now, now I, I walk as fast as I can walk. <laughs> That's incredible. So kind of staying with the beginning stages of your career here for a minute, because a lot of our listeners are in the beginning stages of their career. My first question is this. Was there ever a time that you remember almost quitting, despite this calling being so big? Yes, I think, uh, well, I started to say, I think everybody thinks of quitting. I, I shouldn't say that, but I have. And Everybody I know has. I suppose there's somebody out there that never thought of quitting. But I, I think that when we get challenged and we come up against uh, issues that we're not experienced in, I think the tendency is sometimes to say, "Is there an is there an exit? Is there is there is there a way out?" But you know, you know, it's it's like the freeway of life. Once you're on it, and you're moving in the right direction. The exit just gets you off of where you're trying to get. You've got to get back on again. And uh, so, you know, I think we all have discouragements. I did in tough times. But one of the things that really helped me, and I hope this will be helpful to your uh, entrepreneurs, Chris, is the fact that I, I began to understand. I read, I read Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Traveled. And, and he opens that book up by saying, talking about how tough life is. And, and the expression I use now that really helps people is, is I, I tell them, Everything worthwhile is uphill. Mm. And uh, it's a fact. Everything worthwhile in my life, your life, your listener's life, it's all uphill. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that is worthwhile that somebody will just say, you know, I just woke up and I was successful or I just coasted this and wow, look at me now. It's all uphill. And the moment that I realized that it's all uphill, it's, it's uphill today, it was uphill yesterday, it's going to be uphill tomorrow, it's uphill. There's no downhill stuff in success. It's all uphill. The moment that I bought into life is tough, Scott Peck, that whole deal, it, it changed everything. And, and from that point on, if I had a, an emotion or a, a sense that, boy, I don't want to do this anymore, I reminded myself it's uphill all the way. And, and so if I don't do this, wherever I go, it's good. whatever I try to do, it's still going to be uphill. It's all uphill. And uh, once I bought into the fact that it was uphill all the way, guess what? It wasn't as difficult for me to go uphill because I, I wasn't now looking for a rest area. I wasn't looking for a slope that was going down for me. I wasn't looking for anything that was going to be quick or easy. It wasn't going to be quick or easy. And that mindset, Chris, really helped me to lay off of the, I, I don't know if I'm going to continue doing this and, and basically say, this is what I'm going to do. So I'm going to do the rest of my life. And it's never going to be easy. It's going to be uphill every day, but that's okay because there are huge, huge rewards in it. So that mindset really helped me turn the corner on quitting. 
I love it, John. That's so inspiring for everybody else who's facing uphill right now, so to speak. So the inverse of that question is this. Do you remember a moment where you sat back and realized, oh my gosh, I have kind of made it. Did you ever have that moment? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I sure did. I, I was, uh, was when I was still living out in San Diego, California. So I'd have been in my eh, mid-30s. Uh, and my books were starting to sell, I, you know. Uh, my, my books didn't sell well in the beginning. I, it was writing was not easy for me. And uh, but in my seventh book, it, it started to click. I started to learn how to write well, and and, uh, and it really started to do well. And my publishers were throwing a, a big new contract at me, and I could remember saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to be very successful in this area, and I'm going to do very well." And and then. It was, this is interesting, Chris. I uh, was really bothered by that, and and I, I thought, now this is a little unsettling to me. Is it? Am, am I thinking higher of myself than I should? Or do I lack humility? Uh, am, am I not realistic in my life? And, and, and then I came to a conclusion that what I better do, if I was going to be successful, that I had better get my own definition of success and not let someone else define it for me. Mm. And um, I spent the next few months, next three or four months, this will be great for your young entrepreneurs, asking myself, what is success to me? And, and, and I came to the conclusion that to me, now this isn't for everyone else, but this just, this anchors me, this works for me. For, to me, success is having the people who know me the best love and respect me the most. Oh, that is so powerful because that's something that all of us can you know, use as yeah. part of our definition as success, because that's really what it comes down to, right? I mean, you know, millions of people across the world at this point, totally. but what really matters is when you hunker down in the evening or on the weekend, do you have people that surround you, that love you and, and respect you and know you best? I, it just, it, you know what, that was, that would have been, I, I would have, I would have done that. I would have come up with that definition, 1982, 83. And it's just, it's anchored me. It's kept me centered. Um, so that, you know, when good things happen or difficult things happen, I, I just go back and say, well, let me ask myself a question. Do those who know me best, you know, love and respect me the most? And, oh, yeah, they do. Well, then I'm good. I'm good. And uh, it's just really kept me where I need to be. I, I, two things have kept me really centered. That one. And then I had a mentor, Fred Smith, who, who about this, yeah, look, maybe five years later after the, my definition of success, we went out to a long three-hour Sunday dinner once, and uh, he told me, he said, John, you're very gifted, and you're going to do really well. He said, I, I just, I want to do a teaching today, and I want to hopefully have you be receptive of it. it and it, then he began to talk to me about the fact that my gifts were greater than than me. Mm. And uh, he said, John, you have you have some pretty, pretty phenomenal gifts, and so people are going to come up to you all the time. They're going to say, you're amazing. And, you know, you finish speaking and say, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Or, boy, that book changed my life. And he said, whenever they tell you that, he said, understand, they, they, they don't know this, but but what they're doing, what's amazing about you isn't you. You're not amazing. It's your gifts that are amazing. And, and people are, are getting something huge out of this gift that you have. So always understand that, you know, you know, John, you're just a, you know, you're just human like anyone else and you could do stupid stuff and have done stupid stuff and you'll do stupid stuff. And, and, uh, so, you know, every time when I'm done speaking, you know, and 
you know, people on their feet clapping, cheering, and I walk off stage every time. I've, I've never forgotten this. I just say to myself that they're they're applauding your gifts, John. They're not they're not applauding you being a great man or a great person. They're applauding the fact that you have a great gift that you just exhibited and utilized for their benefit. And uh, those two things, success and and the you know the gift is greater than me. Those two things have really you know kept me centered. Wow, John, it's almost like you were committed to just being a really good steward of these gifts that you were given and you know, to make sure that you put them out there for anyone that needs to receive them yeah. as much as possible. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a river, not a reservoir. I don't, I don't get a hold of them. Uh, they're not mine anyway, they're gifts. And so what I have to do is I have to maximize them. I have to absolutely... Uh, work hard, be intentional to to utilize the gifts in the very best way, and to grow and reach that. But I got to do all that. But uh, but yeah, I, they're not given to me for me to hold for myself. They're given to me to to pass on to others and to have a what I would call just a very generous lifestyle, and to hold very lightly those gifts and be willing to surrender and give them and pass them on and. And you know, add value to people with them, and so I—it's it's a mindset. But boy, it really, it really works. Boy, At John, least it works for me. That's incredible. You know, I didn't know that your books didn't sell well in the beginning, and, and that it took until your seventh book for it to really click. And you know, here you are today, <laughs> yeah. having sold over twenty-six million books. It's absolutely insane. And I think that paints a really good picture of people needing to stick with their message and stick with their gifts. Would you agree? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I totally agree. Completely, Chris. You know, again, when I started writing, I, again, I go back to asking questions again. What sets me apart? What's going to set me apart? And when I started writing, I, I thought, now, I, I got to write beyond just the fact I want to write a book. I have people all the time say, well, I want to write a book about my life. And, you know, I said, well, you know, you and your, your sister and your mom and your dad and your three cousins are going to buy it. Who else? You know, it, you know, you got it's got to be, it's got to be something better than that. And, 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 and so I sit down and I said to ask myself again, going back to the questions that will give you a distinct advantage. I asked myself, okay, if I'm going to write, what can I write on that would just be a huge asset to people? And I came to the conclusion that there are four things that if you can do these four things very well, you can be successful in almost any career. And those four things are relationships, the ability to get along with people. You know, people won't go along with you if they can't get along with you. So, so I got to learn how to connect and relate well with people. Number two is, is I've got to have an attitude that will allow me to overcome adversity. Because again, as we were talking about quitting earlier, um, there are a lot of times you're going to want to quit. So, you know, an attitude only shows up during difficult times. During good times, everybody has a good attitude. So there's no distinguishing characteristic to it. But but during a difficult time, what keeps me in the game is, is, is the fact that I have this attitude about overcoming adversity. The third area is is the ability to, to develop other people, train them, to coach them, to, to be able to have a team so that I could compound my time, effort, energy, money, everything, because you can only compound it, your stuff it through other people. And then the fourth area is to be able to influence people and uh, lead them so that I could be able to help them with, with the direction of their life. And, and so I, I said, okay, if I can relate well, equip well, have an attitude that overcomes adversity, and if I can lead well, I'm going to be successful. So I determined that's why I would write my books on. That's absolutely amazing. And, and that's the, 
Yeah, that's the grid. I was at 27 when I decided that. That's the grid I've been on now. I'm 71, so my gosh, for, you know, 44 years. And I, you know, the, really, in fact, I just got the, from the publisher the other day, the, my books now are 31 million. And, and, and uh, you, know, you know, how do you sell 31 million books? You write things that help people. And, um, and, and, I, and so again, I asked that question to try to set myself apart and what, what will make the difference. Mm, that is, I feel like we're just given the secret grid to success because that grid is really pretty timeless, isn't it? Yeah, it's timeless. It really is. Uh, and, and it was interesting. Twenty-seven. I, 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 I said if I could do those four things at seventy-one, I wouldn't change them. I'd still say that they're the same four things. And so, every book I write is going to be in one of those four areas. And you know, I'm just trying to write it a little differently, a little, you know, help them, you know, upgrade, get a little bit better every time I write a book. But, but I just stay right in that vein, and and people buy them because they know that when it's it's a Maxwell book, it's going to be practical it's going to be applicational it's going to help them it's going to it's going to help them get better that's what everybody everybody wants to get better so let's let's help them do that john that's remarkable i actually can't wait to talk about your new book coming out it's so good by the way but before i do i've been really excited to ask you a couple questions around money mindset because we discuss a lot about money mindset on this show so after all of yeah. the success, and we learned earlier how you define success, but let's say the adjacent success, the, the book sales, the income, the notoriety, after all the success, how do you view money today? Well, you know, uh, I, love, I love this subject. We, we could go an hour on, on <laughs> money and generosity because I, I um, well, I just love to talk about it. I was Oh, this would be maybe seven or eight years ago. Uh, I was with Microsoft and I was uh, spending a day with their leaders. And so it was toward the end of the day and they were asking questions of me. And one of the questions they asked me was what my financial goals were. And, and I shared with them, I said, well, I really, yeah, I just basically have one. And, and, but it, it wouldn't interest you. In fact, you would, you, one, you probably wouldn't understand it. Number two is if you did, you probably wouldn't get too excited about it. So, I, maybe I might just go ahead and try to answer another question. <laughs> of course, then every hand, every hand shoots up in the in the Microsoft Center where I was teaching that day, and you know they all said, "Come on, tell you know what what's your financial goal." So I finally told him, "I said, well, really, the only financial goal I have is to give all my money away while I, while I'm alive." Wow! And um, and it, it got real quiet, and and so they really they. they Really wanted to lean in on that, and and I just told him very simply. First of all, you cannot give what you do not have. So let's start right there, okay? Mm -hmm. In other words, you got to have money. You, you you can't give it away if you don't have it. So I'm all for making money. I'm all for uh, you know having different streams of, of income. And my brother, who's very successful in business, when when I started doing pretty well set me aside and said, John, okay, let's work it. Let's get it. You at least three streams of income. And at least one of those has to be passive. And today I have seven streams of income and three of them are passive. But, but the point being, you got to make, you got to make money to, to give it away. So, so that, that's, that's foundational. But I, I sat down with some good friends and financial counselors and, and people that were a lot smarter than me. And we did develop a game plan for me to give it all away. And uh, my wife, Margaret, bought into it completely. We sat down with our children and uh, told them what we're going to do. And, of course, we've helped our kids. Our kids are 
but we have two children. They're both married. Have five grandchildren, and you know we've helped them. We helped them get into homes and and not pay for everything, but helped them so they could they just have to make payments, but they, they don't have a heavy financial press on them and that whole deal. So you know we've we've taken care of our family, but but now it's it's our, our you know basically my theme is very simple. Do do your giving while you're living, so you're knowing where it's going. Oh, that's so good. I absolutely love this. That's an incredible commitment, by the way, to make sure that you give it all away. I mean, it's the ultimate demonstration yeah. of generosity. We're actually starting to see this concept trend a little bit out there with the the billionaires pledge, the giving pledge. We're starting to see this catch on. Yeah, I think we are. It, obviously, I'm not, not near in their level at all, but 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 I've done decent. And 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 uh, and how you know if you're on the game plan is very simple. Every year, I give away more than I gave the year before. Wow! And and I I chart it very carefully, how much I've given, and and okay, next year can I give a half a million more than I gave this year? And, and you increase it, and you know you look at what you have, and and uh, you know the, the, I think the only the only challenge you got that problem is a little bit of a timing problem, and as you don't know exactly when you're going to die, you know, so <laughs> it's kind of like you know, oops, I. You know, I lived three years longer than I thought, you know, but I told my kids, don't worry about it. I said, don't worry about it. If I run out of money before I die, I'll just come and live with you. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's incredible. Yeah, but but, but it's, it's, it's been a fantastic way to live. Now I'm on a different level because, again, it, one of the things, Chris, about growth is this. As you push back the frontiers of growth in your life, the discovery of what you learn just begins to be infectious and contagious and, and incredible. And, and, you know, so I start off, well, I wonder how much I can give away. And then I, I thought, well, I wonder how much I could be a channel for money to, to be given into good causes. I've, I've just, with a few strategic people, I've, I've said, I'll give you a day and I'll come and do some stuff for you, but I want you to raise money off of that day. And, and you can have the money for your cause. But but I, I want you to I want you to make it a, a good day and I'll I'll get pay all my expenses. But I'll come in, I'll be your I'll be the guy that you sell the tickets for people to hear in the process. But and so now I'm doing some of that and you know, last year I think I was able to do over three million dollars of that. Uh, oh. you know, to so so now it's not only how much can I give away, but how much can I be a catalyst or a channel for more money to be given away. And um yeah. It's, I, so I, I love to talk about the subject as, you know, you know, who do I give it to and why do I give it that whole process. But, but I, I just think that there's nothing, I, I the, the greatest reward I have ever had in my life is to, is to give and to share. And, uh, it's, it was fun making it, but it's, you know, what is it? 10 times more fun giving it. And, uh, but, but you got to make it to give it. So start, start there, you know, set some, set some financial goals for you to, to do well financially but but once you do what here's what I one more quick thing I'm sorry Chris I'm just loving the subject. No, I love this. Keep here, going. One more thing. Here, here we go. I, I you know you have a lot of successful friends, Chris. I have a lot of successful friends. A lot of my successful friends. I mean they're, they're very wealthy. They do extremely well. A lot of my successful friends are unhappy. They're not happy people. Mm -hmm. Some of them are kind of downright miserable. But now, but, but this is very important. So I've met people who have a lot of possessions or a lot of money that are, we're not happy, but I've never met a person that was living a significant life. I, I define success as basically I'm, I'm building my own portfolio. I, I, success is kind of all about me and significance is all about others. 
and, and a significant life is the life I try to live. Now, I think you have to be successful to live that significant life. So I'm not anti-success, but, but here's the point. I've met a lot of people that are successful that are not happy, but I've never met, never met one person that lived for others and gave money and was generous. I have never met one unhappy person that was generous with their lifestyle. Amen. I couldn't agree more. You know, my ethos has, has always been giving and generosity and hence why I do the show. But I've got to tell you, this might be one of those life moments where it's a big shift for me. And, and I just want to give you credit right here on the spot. Up until this point, even though my ethos is giving and generosity and I make sure it's a priority, of course, year after year, I base my goals on increasing my income. But now this is going to shift gears for me and I'm going to base my annual goals on outgiving the year before because by default, I'm going to have to produce more in order to keep that up. That's a fact. That's exactly how I do it. I, I focus on how much more this year, 2019, can I give than I gave last year? And, and you're right. It, 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 then you got to go generate that income to be able to, to, to pass it on and give it away. Now, can I, can I take it to another level yet? Mm-hmm. Please, yeah. Let me, let, me, let me just see if I can just hang on. Now, I, I, this is going to be where a little bit of my faith comes in, so I don't want to offend anybody. If, you, if you're a person of faith, good. If you're a person not of faith, good. You're my friends. I love all of you, so value everybody. So, but, but, but I am a person of faith. So four years ago, I decided to take it to another level. And very simply, here's what it was. I just shared in my prayer time with the Father that any unexpected income that year, I mean, I'm talking about income like I said, what the heck happened here? I didn't know I was going to get some money here. Any unexpected income, not planned income, not the wheels in motion to create financial wealth, whatever. Any unexpected income that came to me that year, I would just immediately pass on to others. Oh, I, wow. I, I, it would just be like, oh, here, okay, I got... I got 25,000. Okay, here, I'm going to pass that on to someone else right now. That I would never keep it. I would never keep the unexpected income. And then I just basically said, God, I don't know how much you can trust me with, but try me. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went into this year and it was ridiculous. I, I, I remember it was within, I don't know, four or five weeks after I said that, that I got, you know, not a lot, maybe twenty five, thirty thousand dollars unexpected. And and at first thing I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder what I'll do with this. And I thought, oh, that's, that's not mine. That's 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 to be passed on to someone else. Well, okay, where do I need to put this so I can really help somebody? And and, and I and I passed it on. Uh, that year I, I it was well over a hundred thousand dollars that I just passed on because I made that commitment and it felt so good I just said I would do it again. And I'm in my fourth year now, and the, every year the uh, unexpected income increases. That's incredible. And what, and just, what an incredible exercise to like be able to recognize this unexpected income that can come from anywhere. And what, and what a great yeah. um, commitment to pass it on, just to be the river, like you said earlier. Yeah. I yep, I'm, I'm a river. I'm, I'm a river. It, my, my statement, again, is God will only give to me what he knows will flow through me. Oh. And um, so I, I just let it flow. But so now you can see, you, well, you can just see how I'm developing and I'm growing and I'm getting, you know, hopefully a lot better and a lot more generous because I'm just, now I'm creating ways of generosity. John, that's incredible. You, you totally inspire me. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. 
I want to shift gears into your newest book because this thing is a total game changer and it's going to allow people to be more successful and therefore be bigger and better givers. So it's called Leadership. Awesome title, by the way. And in Leadership, you. you teach that entrepreneurs and leaders need the ability and the willingness to make leadership changes, not just stay the course as we're always taught. And you offer these 11 shifts that you've basically made yourself over your long and successful career. What one of these shifts was most important, do you think, to you? <laughs> you know, it's so crazy because when I was writing those 11 shifts, every time I'd be, and each shift is a chapter in the book, Chris, and every time I would be on a certain shift, I would be, as I'm writing that chapter, I'd say, oh, this is the most important of my shifts. This, this is the one that was the most important of all. I'm just down writing page and, and just loving every moment of it and think, okay, that's, that was, that was really good. That, that was, yeah, that's where I am. And that's, that's the most important thing. And, and, and then I get to the next shift and, and I go over there and I'd say, well, you know what? Wow. That, that was pretty important right there too. I think, I think maybe that was my, that was my most important shift. And, and so when you ask the question, I'm kind of cracking up because it, at one time, each one of those shifts was the, you know, like the, the most important shift that, that I ever made. But, but if, if you just pressed me and said, oh, come on, John, you got to help me here. I, I would say, say that my, my shift from being goal oriented to being growth oriented was, was probably the shift that has brought me more success than any other. And, uh, uh, if you well, can I elaborate for a couple of minutes on it? Please, yes. Okay, here's where it is. Uh, in my early years, um, I, I was a heavy goal setter. Um, I, my, my first personal growth kit was from SMI out of Waco, Texas, and it was on goal setting. In fact, I'm talking to you in my office, and I'm looking at that kit right now. And it was all about setting goals and, and making yourself accountable and, and uh, had a workbook and had some cassettes. And, man, I went through it once, twice, three times. And, and it really, really helped me, really helped me do goal setting. And, and, and so I'm on, on this goal setting journey. And, um, and then something unique happened. I, I heard Earl Nightingale say that if you would spend one hour a day, every day for five years on the same subject, that in five years you could become an expert on the subject. And I thought, wow, I want to be an expert in the area of leadership because that's where my passion was. And so I, I took up that challenge. I, I, I spent an hour every day on leadership, uh, talking to leaders, asking questions, reading leadership, getting into leadership examples and experiences and practices. An hour every day. And, and, and every day I would say, okay, Earl Nightingale said five years. You know, and I started to do a countdown, four and a half years, four years, three and a half years, three. And I, I'm kind of like Cape Canaveral, I'm counting down. <laughs> And because I, 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 in five years, I got a goal, five years, five years, I could be an expert in leadership. About halfway in that five-year journey, I quit asking myself, how long will it take? Because they, that's what a goal person does. How long will I take? How long is mm-hmm. it going to take? I'm, I'm here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a year away. How long will it take? How long will it take? How long will it take? Because what was happening, Chris, is I was growing internally. I, I was really get better. And, and as I was growing internally, everything began to change within me. And about halfway through that process, I stopped asking the question, how long will it take? And I started asking the question, 
how far can I go? Oh, wow. Chris, wow. it all changed. No longer was I interested in a timeline or a deadline or a goal line or a finish line. Now, all of a sudden, I just said, oh, I'm having change within me. I'm not the same person I was. And, and, and I, yes, I, I, want to be in, I want to be good in leadership. And, uh, you know, five years, I'll, I'll be a lot better in five years than I am now. That's the day I got rid of what I call the finish line. Because you see, when you have goals, you have finish lines, and and I don't think that I, I I don't think finish lines are healthy, because what I've discovered about if if I have a finish line, Chris, what I've discovered is that when I cross that finish line, guess what? I'm finished. Mm, that's powerful. And I see it happen. I see it happen all the time. I see people all the time. I hit the goal. I wonder what's next. I you know I, for the last four years I worked there and I got it and. Well, okay. I'm looking around right. Now. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get another goal. And I'm sitting there. I'm saying, if you were growth oriented, you'd never have that problem. Because you see, there, there's no finish line in my life. There, there's none. I'm, I'm 71. Now I see a. I see a finish line. It's out in front of me, but I never get there. I, ne- I never get there I, because I'm continually expanding. I'm expanding my capacity. I'm growing. I'm developing. I'm not the same person that I was. And and and. And so that finish line, it, I could see it, but but I but I never cross it. I just keep moving, and it, it's just an incredible, it's just an incredible way to to live. And uh, I just tell people all the time: if you'll become growth oriented, if you'll shift, and 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 uh, now, please understand: I don't think there's a wrong, anything wrong having a goal. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying, if you're growth minded, you'll hit all the goals in your life and keep on going. And, and you, you'll hit it going, so well, that was nice. Yeah, we're good. Okay, let's, let's have a party. Let's celebrate for an hour or two. Okay, let's go. Because, because what feeds you is not a rival. What feeds you is the journey. Wow, that is so good. I, I love how you asked a better question to get a better result, right? No longer was the question, when will uh, I get there? Yes. But the question shifted to, how far can I go? And, and it just changed everything. Oh, yeah. yep, that, you're right. It's amazing. Can I share my favorite of the shifts with you? Yes, yes. So I loved them all. My favorite was the one about, do you have a career versus are you following a calling? And I think you called it career to calling or something like that. And my question around it was this, can literally everyone out there follow their calling and, you know, go through life doing that? Or are some people just destined to only fit into a job or a career? You know, that's such a great question, Chris. And I, I want to always handle questions with integrity. And, and that one that one still sometimes works me over. I, I think we were all created for a purpose. And uh, I, I believe that we were gifted to fulfill that purpose. If, if somebody pressed me and said, do I think everybody has a calling? Uh, in a in a practical sense, I would say yes. In a mystical sense, I'd say maybe not. I remember I wrote a book several years ago called "Put Your Dream to the Test," and uh, I really love this book. And so I was lecturing on "Put Your Dream to the Test," and I had a person come up to me at the end of a teaching and and, and said, I, "I just really love what you're saying here, but I, I've got a challenge with it." I said, "What is it?" And she said, "I don't have a dream." Mm. And, and I looked at her and said, well, what do you mean you don't have a dream? She said, I, I don't have a dream. I never have had one. And for the first time in my life, Chris, I was faced with the fact that some people didn't have a dream. Well, that kind of 
set me back a little bit. And so your question, you know, I, there, I, I would never say that everybody has a calling. I, I, I'm not sure I would want to put that on people. I think a lot of people have a calling, but here's what I think about the dream. And here's what I think about the calling. You, you may not have a, like a, a dream where you said, this is my dream. This is my calling. But I believe that you either have one or God will help you migrate to somebody that has one. Ooh, because good. I think as I've observed, there are an awful lot of dream makers that they, they, they don't have their own dream, but, but they, but they, they really bought into someone else's dream and they came alongside that person and, and that person would have never realized their dream if they wouldn't have, if they wouldn't have had somebody come alongside of them. You know, I, I define a, a nightmare as a, as a big dream and a bad team. And uh, that is a nightmare by the way. And, and, and I think sometimes, I think sometimes we get people come alongside of us that they're going to help with the call and the dream, and it be, and it becomes theirs. It becomes theirs, but it becomes theirs because they partnered with somebody that already had one. So anyway, I, that that's that's my little take on it. By the way, in my calling, I think if you have a calling, one of the things is is your your calling is never complete. Mm, and is it always and, changing? And so, yeah, so I mean, you know, people say, "Are you going to retire?" Well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to retire. Well, well, why not? Because I have a calling, uh, you know, and and uh, it, the calling, you know, a career. I can quit a career. Shoot, yeah, you know, make enough money, get enough positions, you know, develop whatever network you need, and you can quit a career. But I don't think you can quit a calling. I, calling is much more personal and deep than that. Yeah, I would totally agree with that statement, by the way. Can I ask you about one more of the 11 shifts? Yeah, fire away. These shifts are so good. They just you know, brought up some of my questions inside of me. And this is the one around pleasing people to challenging people, right? You're shifting from pleasing people to challenging people. And I feel like this is a huge struggle for so many of my listeners. So how can people get yeah. over this fear of not being liked and not being approved of so that they can actually become better leaders and more inspiring individuals? Well, first of all, you know, this was a very difficult shift for me because uh, I was very much a people pleaser. I grew up in a very wonderful home, not dysfunctional. Everybody got along. And, and I, so I got this crazy idea that if you were a good leader, everybody liked you and everybody would be happy. And so I, I started off in the pastorate and gosh, I went over there and Pretty soon, I ran into some pretty dysfunctional people, and and, and and they weren't all happy. And and I found myself, instead of leading them, I, I found myself trying to please them. And 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 I didn't like myself, and I didn't like the results of it. And and so I, I really had to wrestle through this for about I don't know maybe three years, up to three years, of of, of changing from you know uh, uh, being a, a kind of a people pleasing person to the one that would, would challenge people. But I got there, but I got there, but it, but it wasn't easy. And, and I got there when I changed my, ex, my expectations about leadership because I had the wrong expectations. I thought great leaders made everybody happy. And I didn't realize that that's not true at all. And, and the moment I realized that there was no relationship between a person's happiness and me leading them. In fact, cute story, I was I was lecturing on one of my books, The 21 Laws of Leadership, and, and I was signing books afterwards, and a guy came up to me to sign his book. And as he handed it to me, he said, I disagree with one of your laws. And uh, so I'm signing the book, and, and I just smiled. I said, that's okay. 
So I handed it back to him. He just stood there and he said, I don't think you heard me. He said, I, I disagree with one of your laws. <laughs> and so I said, well, yeah, I, yeah, I heard you. Yeah. And, and, and it's okay. It's okay. You don't, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to agree with my laws. And then I thought, well, okay, he'll go. And he just, he just stand there. He said, he, he said, do you still understand? You know, I, I, I just think you have one of those laws in there. I, I don't agree with at all. <laughs> And, and so I, I smiled. I said, look, my friend, I said, I didn't write the book to make you happy. I book, wrote the book to help you. Ooh. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a leader, not a clown. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I wrote the book to really help you. It's, it's like somebody says, you know, John, I don't believe in the law. I don't believe in the law of gravity. Well, it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> but, but you just go up on a four-story building and jump off. You buy immediately into the law of gravity. I mean, the, the laws... The laws don't ask you, do you like me or did you agree with me? They, they just are. And once I realized in leadership that I had a responsibility to do what was best for the people. And what's best for the people isn't what always they want. And, and, and it's okay. It's okay. And, and, and they're not all going to like me. And some are going to leave. And some are going to be very discreet. And, and it's okay. It's okay. And, and, but it took me a while. So I'm, I'm talking about it kind of easy now. But, oh, my gosh, Chris, it... It was a tremendous struggle for me in my early years because I was young and I just wanted to, I just wanted to, everybody to everybody to like me and be pleased. And I had to wake up to the fact that that isn't going to happen. And in fact, it not only isn't going to happen, it's not supposed to happen. That that isn't my goal to have you know to win a unanimous vote for something. That is that is my goal. My goal is to help people. If I help people, there's going to be a few people that don't like that. Wow, I feel like you just gave everyone really good permission to move forward with what is right instead of moving forward with what is popular, and that's gonna you know, yeah, that's gonna help that's shift good. a lot of people. Yeah, I like the way you just phrased that. What's right, not what's popular. That's that's good, Chris. I like that a lot. I want to be respectful of your time, and there's one quote in this book that I just wanted to mention because it was so good. Everything in this book is is it's a must read, and the quote was this: "You cannot be the same, think the same." and act the same if you hope to be successful in a world that does not remain the same. And my real quick question yeah. to that was, to some, this is no problem. They got no problem being open to new ways. But to so many talented individuals out there, they get hung up because they're afraid to be open to change and new ways of thinking. Do you have any quick advice to these folks? Well, the, yeah, the advice is that you can't grow without changing. It's an impossibility. It's possible to change and not grow, but it's not possible to grow and not change. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll give you a classic example. I'm, I'm always writing, obviously. And I wrote a book that's just been out. Uh, well, I, I revised the book 26 years ago. I, I wrote a book called Developing the Leader Within You. And uh, on the 25th anniversary, I decided to revise it. And so I went back and I started saying, okay, what do I need to tweak in this book to update it? And, and I realized very quickly there was not going to be any tweaking because I had to rewrite 87% of the book. Wow. Now, now what happened? What happened? I mean, and somebody said, boy, you you must have written a bad book. No, no, here's what's happening. When I wrote the book 25 years ago, the book and I were on the same page, literally, literally. But over 25 years, what have I been doing? I've been growing, learning, developing, experiencing, and, and I keep going higher. But the book, that book, those words aren't changing on a, on those pages. 
And so when I came back to the book, there was a huge gap between what I knew, what I experienced, where I was, and what I wrote. And, and so I had to go back and I had to upgrade and revise and change. And, you know, 87%, I mean, that's almost like a brand new book. That's what, in fact, it's called Developing the Leader Within You 2.0. But, but, but the issue was very, very, I kept growing. And as I kept growing, again, as I said, I've, I've said this before, if what you did five years ago still thrills you, you haven't done much today. Mm, that's so true. Yes, it's just true. So when a person says, you know, I, I really, I, you know, I don't know if I want to make those changes. I, I, I say to that person very, very lovingly, if you don't make those changes, those changes will still happen and they'll leave you. The, the train will leave you. And, and at best, all you'll be in leadership as a historian talking about what you did do, not what you're doing now. Wow, that is so good. I could talk to you about this new book literally all day, but I know that I've got to respect your time. So where can we find your new book and where can we best follow you? Well, okay, we go to John. You just go to, if you just go online, you ought to get more of me than you really want to be honest with you. But just go to John, you know, johnmaxwell.com and it'll tell her I've got a coaching company and I've got a, you know, I've got a two nonprofits. I've got a bunch of stuff. Oh, you could go, yeah, go to Amazon, go to Amazon. Uh, in fact, it, 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 they've told me already in pre-sales books, not you know, quite out yet, but they've told me that it's doing extremely well. And Amazon's already flagged it as one of the major books for the year. So, so just go to Amazon and, and, and you'll find the book. I'm, I'm t- you could you could tell I, that this is not my world, can't you? I, <laughs> I just I just I just write them and let someone else find them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, you're the gift, right? You're the gift that shares the gift. So you just do the writing and let everybody else take care of the marketing side. I love that. Stay within. Stay within in your zone of genius. And that's excellent. I yeah. read the advanced copy that, that your team sent us and it is outstanding. I love this book. And as an avid reader, this one stands above all the other ones. So just as a personal note, thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you so much for continuing to stay so relevant and to have so much good, fresh information that, you know, as we said earlier, is timeless and still applies today because every single thing that you drop on us is a gift. Thank you, my friend. Great to be with you, Chris. This was an outstanding interview and I can't thank you enough for your time, John. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.